it's something brand new from Dokken, which will be featured on the uh, Lost Dokken tracks, which will be a due out uh, in August. Some old stuff that uh, was basically unearthed and remastered to be uh, released from like the late 70s into the very early 80s before uh, the uh, most popular lineup of Dokken, uh, you know, got their notoriety. Sure. So Sounds okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that, that's a new... That's a new vocal, right? It is a new song. It's a new vocal, new song. It's, it's, oh, like, yeah. it's like a bonus song that's going to be included on the retro disc. Okay. Yeah, it's not okay. So is that Levin playing? Yep. All right. Yep. Actually, uh, I uh, picked that song as the single. Look along, at you. Along with, uh, I uh, let uh, Kendall give her thoughts on it as well, and she picked that as one, and so that is the new single. I picked that song. Well, as a I was asked to pick the song, and I got all three songs, and I listened to all three songs, and that was my pick for the uh, for the single. And I let the girl I'm trying to bang pick one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you are. So uh, if you uh, are interested in you know, some early, early stuff. It's going to be released in August through Silver Lining Records. Cool, cool. That one is too? The, yeah, yeah. The old- yeah, that, that's, uh, that's like I said, there's going to be three new songs as, as bonus songs okay. to accompany the uh, the other um, the other Junk. old stuff, yeah. How's the old stuff? Have you heard it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, some of the stuff that uh, you found on Back in the Streets, but, uh, you know, that's been remastered uh, and whatnot. And then there's some additional stuff that uh, Don found uh, in his archives that hasn't been released before. Right. So they did what they could, you know, because these were all recorded on like four and eight track players. And they, you know, basically tried to clean them up and, you know, give them a give him a more um i won't call it a modern sound but more modern technology right you know and and you know try to make them listenable from you know because they are basically old tracks right before you know before they had any money or success they just just trying to uh you know get a record deal yeah well it obviously worked they sold a couple of records in their day they did one or two um, let's see. You here. sent me that photo of, um, Taylor's building. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Yep. Things are getting yeah. a little rough downtown. Well, and apparently they, um, they spray painted St. Patrick's cathedral in New York and they broke into progressive field and they're now tearing up Indians, the Indian stadium. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Just, just tear it up, burn it down, rip it apart. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, just just make it a you know just make it a uh, uh, the slums that they're used to living in. Mm-hmm. Well, won't see me down there, not unless the cops need extra bodies to, to and make it okay to start shooting. Right. What a mess! It is. It's a disaster. It is a disaster, man. Oh well. All right. Well, uh, onward and upward here. Uh, one of our favorite whipping boys, uh, people have a lot of great disdain for, 
Mm-hmm. Live Nation. Oh yeah. Live like Live Nation uh they may be filing bankruptcy. Live Nation is filing bankruptcy. Potentially, yes. Wow. Because of the hurt that this uh whole COVID uh has put on them for all the mm-hmm. canceled shows for, you know, 2020. I'm assuming this is restructuring bankruptcy, not closing the doors bankruptcy. Well, I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Live Nation isn't exactly the easiest company to love. They are a publicly traded corporation that controls the lion's share of the planet's concert industry, and they rule with an iron fist. The company controlled the landscape of the live music for the last two decades through uh, denomination rather than innovation or domination rather than innovation. They gobbled up anything independent, control the routing of just about every major artist and stifle innovation at any turn. As soon as an independent venture or promoter or festival bubbles up out of the primordial swamp, the concert behemoth comes in and drags them under the water and devours them into pieces. I was never told by their chief strategy officer, Live Nation is where dreams go to die. Never mind the fact that they are currently selling 2020 tickets to Austin City Limits and Bonnaroo festivals despite knowing well that these events will not happen. Right. Their leadership is made up of largely people who don't uh, look like they have ever been to a concert. Okay. To be fair, fanboys like myself have this unspoken hope that the music business should be made up of people who have also waited in the rain for an hour to get into a show with three hits of LSD hiding in their rectum. (laughs) Yet the pandemic-induced trauma the event business has endured has made the prospects of Live's Nation's collapse even more real every day. Reports on whether they can survive the storm are mixed. Many analysts say that they have enough cash to last through while however long it takes for concerts to become a reality again. As of the end of 2019, the company had $3.3 billion in debt outstanding and $2.5 billion in cash. Wow. wonder what their debt is from. Uh, you know, from the uh, computers that, that gather up those service charges. They're very expensive. That's why it costs $22 service fee for a hundred dollar ticket apparently so uh there is a good chance that a major chunk of that 2.5 billion has gone to operating costs on top of that 837 million of the reminder or remainder is ticket revenues that very well may need to be returned to customers it is safe to say that it is why they have been reluctant to give refunds so <laughs> basically he's saying they just don't have the money So let's start a GoFundMe for Live Nation, should we? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) This whole pandemic could not have been worse timing for this company. The two quarters of 2020 that have been shut down are the most profitable of the year. According to The Motley Fool, the spring, summer, and early fall months are the Live Nation's most active. In fact, the company operates at a loss during the first and fourth quarters making up for their losses with strong profits during the second and third quarters. Yeah. How about that? So during the winter and, and early uh, spring months, uh, they, they operate in a negative. 
I don't believe that, but okay. Well, that's what it says. Yeah. With uh, with CEO Michael Rapino, Rapino, I don't know how you say Rapino or Rapino, uh, not expecting to return to fill tilt concerts until mid to late 2021. Tickets have uh, shown they intend to cancel maybe their only viable revenue stream. The COVID-19 pandemic has adversely affected virtually every company, yet Live Nation Entertainment has a proverbial knife to its throat. As the planet's largest concert promoter, its holding its holdings include 270 event venues. Uh, I guess so. I guess they own the venues as well. Mm-hmm. And also the infamous Ticketmaster platform. Before the quarantine, their stock was a safe and frequent winner. It soared from $10 a share in 2013 to over $70 per share in 2020. Okay. That's, that's quite an uptick. Yeah, I'd say. The stock is now down 50%, and there is no end in sight to the hemorrhaging. A new uptick in the virus, particularly in states that have opened up, could spell disaster for the company. Upping the ante with the election year with potential civil disruption and return of concerts is the least of your worries. I'd say we're past potential. Yep, it's here. Yeah. Live Nation claims to have enough cash to weather the storm, but the problem is is we do not know how long that storm is going to last. Everything but concerts and events could come back a year or more before the venues open again. And if we see another viral uptick, as many uh, epidemiologists are warning, uh, then it could go well beyond 2021. Great. Carrying through the cash, carrying, let's say, carrying enough cashish to get them through the crunch is obviously a serious concern. They demonstrated how dire the situation is by recently announcing plans to sell off $800 million in bonds to raise funds for their general corporate purposes. $800 million in bonds. My goodness. If someone asks you to borrow $5,000 and when you ask them why you, when you ask them why they told you just general purposes, <laughs> you would imagine they were in some deep shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Long-term portfolio platform. Uh, Macroex, Macroexes, I don't know how you say that word, just just updated their rated uh, pro- probability of Live Nation bankruptcy in nearly half. Based on its latest financial disclosures, Live Nation Entertainment has uh, the probability of bankruptcy of uh, 42%. Okay. This is an 18.64% lower than that of communication service sector and significantly higher than that of the entertainment industry. Despite this, the stock has made significant rebounds uh, onto 49.0. So they went from, you know, losing money to their $49 a share now. Well, I don't know how I feel about this story. <laughs> I kind of look, they're scumbags. And I hate the way they do business. And I certainly hate the way that they absolutely fucking rob us music fans. And I know people say all the time that, well, if you pay it, then it's worth what you're paying. And that's bullshit. We pay it because we want to fucking support the music, no matter what the cost is. 
It's not worth it. It's certainly not worth it. And these guys are the biggest fucking pirates that there ever were. They're worse than the guys in Somalia with the little boats and the big gun. <laughs> yeah. They are absolutely fucking thieves. Yeah, because they're a monopoly. Yeah, they're thieves and they can get away with it. And if you want to see a big show with a big production, you have to fucking, you have to bend over and take a, a dildo lined with razor blades right up your ass. And it says Live Nation on the side of it. Yep. You know, it's just the way it is. So on that respect, I love to see them fail. I would love to see them absolutely fucking fold up and close their doors and and be gone. The problem is it's such a big high cost industry that I think it would kill the music industry if it goes away. I, I think every big band would be just completely fucked. Because who's going to shell out? You know, they have to shell out like this Motley Def Leppard tour. Yeah. As an example. They had to shell out, you know, what, $100 million or something to well, book it? Yeah, I am sure that they had to pay the, the um, you know, the, the deposit, whatever that is. Yeah. So, I, I mean, but I'm just talking, that's just the bands. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they had to pay the guarantee. Mm-hmm. And they had to rent the venues for each for each place at least rent the day you know unless they own the venue but even if they own the venue they still have to block out revenue for that venue you know so who steps in and and has that kind of coin to step in they don't that's that's my worry so what happens do we just no longer see Bruce Springsteen or you two or the stones or unless there's a, unless there's an independent guy, I'm just going to use this guy as an example because we already know who we know this guy or know of this guy rather. How about, how about that guy that, that independent businessman in Lima who did the loud in Lima for three days. Yeah. But our bands, you got to find three of them just to get a band out for a weekend. And you can't just do a weekend with the kind of production that these guys are taught. I mean, you can do a lot of it at Lima because you just use everybody uses the same back. Well, line yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say here, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not comparing the setup. I'm just comparing the guys who ha- have big money in each, yeah. in each city that, mm-hmm. that are willing to see if they're, if they didn't have to compete against a live nation, Mm-hmm. And they were like an independent business guy or or corporation or something in in let's just use Cleveland for example if if all mm-hmm. this nonsense wasn't going along and who who's the big who's a big money person in Cleveland Oh jeez I have no idea <laughs> No one let's, uh, uh, let's just, just say the Jacobs Yeah the Dick Jacobs if he's still alive yeah. who knows? let's just use him for an example Okay. So if he didn't have to compete against a live nation mm-hmm. and, you know, say Metallica was available to go on tour. Okay. And they solicited these big money guys had money in each of these major markets. Right. Each promoter would be independent of live nation. Like the Jacobs would bring in Metallica mm-hmm. and, you know, the, uh, who, who else uh, say, let's just take the Pittsburgh, for example, the Roonies in Pittsburgh, they have right. money. So they go, yeah, we'll, we'll bring in Metallica to Heinz field 
Right. And we'll make all the money on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, just- in, so independent city by city promoters who have the wherewithal, if they didn't have to compete against Live Nation, they might take the gamble to bring in a big name act and make some money off of that. They might. They might. That's what I'm saying. They might. It might open the door for a bunch of promoters as opposed to one big promoter. It could, but I think it would also it would also lower the number of bands. Could. It very well could be. Like a band like, let's say like Nine Inch Nails. I don't think Nine Inch Nails is stadium worthy. No. So is this same millionaire billionaire that that brought in Metallica going to take that same chance on nine inch nails in a smaller venue? Cause now they got to negotiate, you know, and, and is there, is there somebody in the next town on both sides to also take that chance? Well, again, that's what I'm saying. It, it would be a slow go at the beginning, mm-hmm. but, but if it proved to be profitable, more and more people might jump into the game and go, Hey, I'm going to try that. Hey, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I got, you know, some coin to spend, you know, the, the, um, you know, the profitability of bringing one of these bands into a venue here at the city, it pays off. Right. So I'm willing to do that at the beginning. It might not be that good, but if it's, if it's successful and people see it as successful and it, and it is, they go, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to put up some coin and bring in a few major acts. Sure. Why not? It could. I mean, it, it's a, it's a scary thought to think of that whole industry starting over. Well, it might be time though. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I would love to see somebody. I would love to see, I guess I'm thinking perfect world and we're not in a perfect world, but in the perfect world, somebody would have re- risen up to give them competition to see what it takes. But, to but, see but, it. but thing is, I just read that when anybody does rise up, they come mm-hmm. in and basically beat them into submission. Yeah. They buy them out or they lowball them and take them out. Yeah. yeah. I know it just sucks. But Fucking again, if, if the live nation were no more, uh, mm-hmm. it, it would open up the free market to go. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a gamble on bringing in a, Metallica or a, a Scorpions or, or a package tour. Right. Well, let's hope it works out. Not for Live Nation, for somebody else. Because I fucking hate Live Nation. After that Metallica show, I don't want nothing to do with Live Nation ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Hail Kill, Caller, you're on the air. Hail Kill, it's Matt in Cincinnati. Hey, what's going on? I see you guys are under some kind of... Uh, duress down there as well well they had a curfew to curfew till 10 and now they just started moving uptown where i'm at i live about two miles from bogart so i'm sure you know what that i do i've been there is. i've been there many yep. times they're coming up here because the clifton area wasn't put under curfew so all those clowns are coming up the hill you know towards us and Whatever. I mean, believe it or not, I think the cops are doing a pretty good job. The funny thing to me, uh, the chief of police in Cincinnati is a black guy. He stood out there yesterday and talked to them all, said, hey, we're pissed off as much as anybody else. Give cops a bad name for what this guy did up in Minneapolis. And the idiots, 10 minutes later, started breaking shit. 
you know, after that dude pretty much poured his heart out. But I think he's the type of guy that will crack skulls if he needs to, and it sounds like he is. Good. So are, 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 you, are you personally uh, armed up? I have a couple in the garage. I don't think I'll have to use them because, honestly, the people I see doing this are the biggest pussies in the world. It's never going to come to that. Well, but but at least you you do have some protection in your home, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, and most of, you know, I have uh, two or three friends. That's all I really need in life, and they are ready, too, and we've talked about it today, and it's just like... These people are just, they're just fucking clowns, you know? But, the, but I, I, might, I appreciate you I guys might suggest you, I might suggest to you that you move the guns, at least for tonight, in from the garage. Next <laughs> next bed might be a good place tonight. I hear you. Uh, it'll, uh, I'm fine. I'm good. Trust me, it's all good. But earlier in the week when I sent you that story, yes. it meant a little bit more. Um because still, in my opinion, the biggest clown is Live Nation. And let's think about it. In the 90s or whenever, before they took over, Dalton was happening. You had regional mm-hmm. promoters. You had Sunshine. You had Dalton. You had Casablanca. You had yeah. Outback. You had all kinds of people up and down the East Coast, Midwest. They did it fine. They got all the big bands come in, in the stadium gigs. Why don't we go to back to that? Yeah, and it didn't cost us $150 a fucking ticket. Right. Um, and the thing is, there's a, there's a couple big guys out there that, you know, love beating up uh, Live Nation as much as they can. You got AEG out on the yeah. West Coast. You got a golden voice. You got people, you know, you got the people that run Bonnaroo. I forget the name of that company, but there's people out there that love to take a swing at those assholes, you know? Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing I took away from the story that just stuck out to me, it blew my mind how many full-time employees they have. Did you catch that? Well, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. It, I won't spoil it for you. It just blows my mind, you know, how much money they bring in and the low amount of employees is just insane, meaning they don't pay anybody dick and they're just getting gig workers to cover their ass. Well, you know? keep that overhead low. And the other low. part of it is, what's that? Keeping that overhead low. Yeah, I get that. It's all business and money. But the other part of, about it is, I don't think he addresses in the article, is some of these bands need to step up and say, what the fuck? I remember, you know, way back when, when Pearl Jam didn't want to go on Ticketmaster. Don't hear about that anymore. And I don't blame bands for taking the money up, taking all the money on a package deal and, you know, doing 20 shows for $20 million or whatever they want to do. That's cool if you want to do it. But I think the other side of it is these bands need to stick up and say, hey, man, enough enough. You're just fucking raping our fans. Huh? You know? Well, I think your morals go out the window when you get a guarantee in your pocket. Sure. I get it. Yeah, it, it just stinks, man, because the, they've diluted the product so bad with all their package deals with tickets and everything else, and it's just, it's sick, it's a shame, you know. And 
the VIP meet and greet stuff, that might go out the door now with coronavirus because I doubt any band would want to meet a fan face-to-face anymore. And they made a lot of money off that bullshit too, you know? Because mm-hmm. when I was going to a ton of shows in the 80s and 90s in Cincinnati, I never thought in the world I could pay a thousand bucks to meet Eddie Van Halen. I didn't want to because I had it in my mind he was doing blow and getting a blow job in the back. <laughs> that whole mystery of rock and roll is gone. It stinks. You know? But with this corona thing, I think a lot of mid level mid level bands are gonna disappear just because they can't afford to survive it. You know? I'm talking like the bands like Younger bands like, uh, I don't know, like the Struts or, you know, decent-sized club acts. They're just not going to survive because they can't make the money, you know. Mm-hmm. But if things if things do clear up and get better next this time next year for shows and Live Nation does survive, can you imagine the raping they're going to take next year on the fans with ticket prices and everything else? Trying to make up for It'd losses. Yeah. It just stinks. Well, maybe it's time for no. maybe it's just time for a cleansing. I'm all for it. I'm 51. I need to be cleansed. <laughs> well, we could sell you, you know. a manscaper. <laughs> oh, dude, you see, I see those commercials every day. I'm tempted. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I see those. I see those commercials and ads every day. It just makes me laugh. It crushes me. Uh. One other thing off subject. Have you guys started watching the Jeffrey Epstein uh, documentary? The what? Jeffrey Epstein documentary. The Jeffrey Epstein documentary on, on Netflix. I watched it. I have Man, not I have up. not I have not watched it yet. That Chris, dude. it's fucked up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That dude, what a character, man. And 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 had so much money that he got away with everything. I can't believe they brought him down at all. Yeah, it just shows you. Yeah, he literally got away. He could have killed those girls, and it wouldn't have made any difference. No, that was that was his biggest. That was the biggest fuck up he had in his life. Was what he should have done was just killed those girls and threw them off the back of the island. Because he had them, and he knew where they were in the first fucking place. (laughs) So crazy. I'm halfway through, and I'm just like creepy as shit. You know? Oh, it, it, it's Neely. That's one. I'll, I'll recommend that to you. I'll recommend that to the whole audience. Just on the creepy factor. That that oh, was because I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Even though Epstein has become this big um, meme thing, and everybody likes to do the whole, you know, Jeffrey Epstein isn't dead or whatever. Be real honest. I didn't really un- know very much about the fucking guy. You know, I, I mean, I heard. I heard that he fucked underage girls. I heard that, but I I didn't know anything about him really. I, you know, this fucking guy. Do you know much about him, Neely? Or no? I, I don't. Just just from what I've seen, you know, since uh, since he was incarcerated, and of course, uh, quote unquote, killed himself. Yeah, you have to watch the documentary. They really do a gr- a great job at spelling out who the guy was, how he got rich. And how he got the girls. It was an elaborate plot how he got the girls. It was like an elaborate plot with multiple, multiple people that acted as his, you know, his, his 
Gatherer has, has liaisons. Well, dude, at one point, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this far yet, Matt, or not, but at one point they showed the police, and the police had this graph that they put together, and it has yeah, I'm about, there now, I think. It has like 50 people on the graph, and the cop says, well, this is just scratching the surface. We have five more of these. And I'm like, five more of these? Holy fuck. This guy was yeah. fucking... This guy probably fucked 200 to 300 underage girls. Yeah. It's, it's, Crazy. it's unreal. And, and he had people, people of, you know, he had people that were gathering chicks for him and he had wealthy people all over the place to help him cover everything up. It's amazing to me. And Alan Dershowitz definitely fucked that one girl. I don't know if you've gotten that far yet, but he denies it. Yep. It, he, he denied Guaranteed. it down, and I'm believing the girl. I'm not believing him for one. Fu- He's like, well, I was on the island uh, several times, but I never did anything. And the girl's like, no, no, here's the date. Here's the date. Here's what he did. I sucked his dick. You know, and I mean, she, she like really gets into how the, you know, the, the sex that she had with Alan Dershowitz. And then Dershowitz is like. I dare her to say that she had sex with me on the island. I dare her. Then they cut back to her and she goes, yeah, I absolutely had sex with Alan Dershowitz when I was 14 or whatever age. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's unfucking real. Neely, you get through it in a day and a half. Yeah, I'll watch it. I got through yeah, it in like awesome. five hours or whatever. I, I watched it straight through start to finish. It, it's, it's really, really intense. It's one of the few documentaries I've ever watched that was literally intense. <laughs> but right. it is intense because because the situation was so this fucking guy you know and and the the arrogant power this guy wielded when they're interviewing him in in the in the deposition and the one guy asked him if he has an egg-shaped cock and he's just like are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, I'd love to answer that question, but my lawyer won't let me. <laughs> right. And he's right. he's like arrogant about it. He he uses that same kind of a thing, Neely. He doesn't just say, yeah, I, I refuse on my Fifth Amendment privilege or whatever. He goes, I'd really love to answer that question, but my attorney yeah. says not. You know, like totally yeah. arrogant. Like, yeah, I did it, but fuck you. You can't force me to say it. Yeah. He, he's a the old, real. The old... Go ahead. He had, he had fuck you money. Yeah, he really did. Big time, you know. Well, my manager and the protesters are calling me, so I better get out of here. Hey, Mac, um, before you go. Yes, sir. This is what this is the sound that everybody should hear. <laughs> I hear you, man. I'm I'm ready, like you guys. All right. You know? All right. I'm ready for the clown show. But anyway, I. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the story. But anyway, uh, uh, hail and kill, fuck live nation. His job. <laughs> Here goes Matt. Goes Matt. Yeah, big contri- big contributor to the show. Buys CMS gear too. He's about to be overrun by by fucking criminals, but hey. he still has time to call about Live Nation. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he's packing heat in the garage. Yeah. All right. Well, getting back 
to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, we have done our fair share of picking on the event giant here. Yet there would be some real bloodletting should Live Nation come to its demise as a result of the uh, coronavirus. If Live Nation were to go bankrupt and all of it quits, the entire concert uh, and festival industry would have to be reimagined, which we just kind of talked about that. Thousands would lose their jobs. Major venues would disappear. But let's really unpack this. What does a post-Live Nation music business even look like? Well, that's where we're going to get into here. All right, good. Live Nation employs just under 10,000 people. That's not a huge number given their overall revenues and scope of work. But what the number is missing is the tens of thousands of contractors and vendors that rely on regular Live Nation spending to support their businesses and their families. The fact that the company contracts so many vendors has a trickle-down effect. Many businesses cover much of their operating expenses with the sums spent by Live Nation. That is the independent production company that depends on them for half of their yearly income. That is the local newspaper that supports independent journalism with Live Nation's regular ad buys. That is the independent venue and their staffs that get routed shows here or they're placed with them in the Live Nation's nearby venue for full. Or or, let's see, they're placed with them when Live Nation's nearby venues are full. Not to mention that the hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate deals in which they which they signatory also live nation has a legion of subsidiaries such as household names rock nation ticketmaster frontline management group c3 presents and ac entertainment among others that would get kicked in the teeth the concerts and festivals live nation produce bring billions of dollars of economic impact to cities throughout the world simply said the dissolution of live nation would have a reverberating economic effect across the music industry and beyond. Sounds about right. Yep. It's got a big, a big trickle down effect, ripple effect. Bottom line, it'll hurt. It will. Uh, Live nation has a muscle to outbid any other promoter. See, this is, this is where I was getting that. If, if, you know, some guy with a bunch of money in a, in a big market, didn't have to go up against Live Nation, they could afford to bring those shows in. Probably, yeah. Live Nation has the muscle to outbid any other promoter when it comes to artist guarantees. Oftentimes it works like this. Artist X routes tour through various markets and seeks the highest fee guarantee possible from competing promoters. Live Nation is notorious for overbidding to force the few independent competitors out of the running. So that therein lies the the rub right there. So mm-hmm. so if there's a you know again let's go with the Cleveland the Jacobs wanted to bring in a, a band or, or you know bands they couldn't do it because Live Nation would go fuck you yeah well that's why Cleveland went I mean you don't you remember back in the day dude even when you lived here Cleveland was a was a stop it was always every, always every it was, it was it was Belkin Productions always. Yeah. And every tour, every tour played either the Coliseum or the later the Q 
Or if they were a super big band, they played the stadium. Or the Blossom. Or Blossom. But but every major tour, when they announced a tour, you didn't even have to look at tour dates. The only thing you looked at was what date was it coming to Cleveland. Yeah, and, and the, the main place that I saw most of my shows... You know, when I was a teenager into the time that I didn't live there anymore was was the Coliseum. Yeah, that was that was the place to go see a a concert. Yeah, of course. But then in the last. I'd say 15 years or so. It just went away. Cleveland is not even Cleveland is now considered secondary market. That's how bad it is here. We don't even we're we're never on the main tier. We're never on the same list as fucking Columbus, Detroit, uh, Pittsburgh. We're always on the Des Moines, um, you know, though that routing the Des Moines of the world and the you know the second tier markets, and and we're not even always on that anymore. And the reason is because Live Nation raised the prices so high that that fucking broke dick people in Cleveland can't afford to go to these shows anymore. You know, I mean, I mean, I know I went to, I went to several big shows last year. I went to the two big ones that I went to almost back to back were Bob Seger and Metallica. I think they were within a week or two weeks of each other or something like that. And for those two shows for, for me and Kelly to go to those two shows, with parking, with, with dinner and just tickets. Yeah. And that's really all we did. We didn't spend a a shit ton of money, you know, on anything else. We didn't buy t-shirts or any of that bullshit, but just those two tickets, two, two, four tickets with the general stuff that you do was a grand was a grand. Now I know for a fact, most of my friends cannot afford to do a grand for two shows. I agree. I can't think that that's a lot that that's vacation type. Yeah. That's, that's a big chunk of change. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it was a big chunk of change for me too. And I mean, I have it, but it's like, I didn't want to spend it a thousand bucks for two fucking shows, two shows that I would have seen in the, in the eighties or nineties for probably $25 a ticket. Right. You know, I would have spent a hundred. Now I spent a thousand, you know, it's like, fuck me. You know, and, and I know, you know, I know I do pretty well. I, I can't imagine people that, that work like more regular jobs, you know, that are your plumber, or your painter or whatever. They can't afford that. They're making choices. Well, I can go to this show this year or and that's not even including sports. You know, you want to go to a football game or something. It's fucking 75 to 100 bucks a ticket. You start adding all that up over the course of a year. It's like, well, I can go to three or four things in a year. So then you're, 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 you as a community are passing on a lot of shit and stuff that would normally have been sold out here at reasonable prices is gone. You know, Iron Maiden no longer lands in Cleveland, never lands in Cleveland anymore because, you know, the fans can't afford to pay $150 to see Iron Maiden. And they don't want to, you know, the only place that'll bring them at that price is fucking Blossom. And no one wants to go all the way out to fucking Blossom and see that shit outside. Want to see the real production of the show. Not the half-assed bullshit of it. Crazy. It's just, it's just deteriorated, dude. The whole scene has gone to shit. Absolutely. 
Uh, this has a net effect on raising artists' guarantees either way, and with the artists relying more on more on performance dollars, Live Nation is an easy option. So that just goes back to, uh, you know, what Matt was saying. But when, when are these artists going to say, that's bullshit, man? They go, no, Live Nation's willing to pay it. I'll take it. Yeah, why would they say it's bullshit? They don't care. Yeah. They, have, they have no consideration. Believe me when I tell you, Motley Crue for the stadium tour, Motley Crue couldn't give a fuck if they played to an empty stadium. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It's like, I don't care if one guy shows up to Blossom. Yeah. If they paid my guarantee, what do I give a fuck? Yeah, if I'm making $10 million, I'll play those songs for the vendors to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll, it'll just be a glorified sound check for us as far as we're concerned. Exactly. We'll blow up our pyro and shit just to make it worthwhile, but we'll play for nothing. Right. You know, or we'll play for 10 million or whatever it was that Motley was getting per show. Mm -hmm. It was 5 million or some, some crazy. Right. Uh, Live Nation often builds uh, the tour the tours soup to nuts for the mega artists in stadiums. Besides them, AEG is a rare company that has the depth of dollars to produce an Elton John, Rolling Stones, Bruce Springsteen, or Billy Joel worldwide tour. They are basically the runner-up and have a fraction of the money and juice that Live Nation does. In the absence of a single financially responsible promoter with the power like Live Nation, artists like Elton John are unlikely to rely on different promoters in 30 different markets to have checks that don't bounce. Not to right. mention that the production and the logistic chops nearly uh, necessary to pull off a show like this. It is impossible that Elton John tells the world to bugger off and enjoy his golden years without the nuisance of an uh, international tour. Right. Live Nation does a lot of the heavy lifting required to have a substantial live music industry in the city. The company works with municipal and state governments on the endless array of issues like noise ordinances, booze taxes, curfews, event permits, and major festival coordination. Their clout and dollars have uh, tangentially benefited other promoters, small and large, Live Nation donates hundreds of thousands of dollars to both Democrat and Republican uh, politicians to lobby issues often important to their competitors. You can rest assured they had handed a recent inclusion of live entertainment and the federal stimulus packages. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, that, that, they, that helped them. It didn't help us. Right. So uh, that's it. Well, great. It, it, I, I mean, it's a. This is almost like a, a microcosm of the biggest issue which is going on in the country. We need a reset of pretty much everything. Yeah, now. I, I agree. Everything's got bloated. Everything's all fucked up. So maybe it's just time. Maybe everything gets gets fucking exploded and rebuilt. Because you know, I, I mean, even looking at the bigger sense, dude. Looking at the the world right now. Don't you think that there's no no chance after COVID for the world, for, for the United States, just stay at the United States. Don't you think there's no chance for the United States to go back to the same way we use and handle money? 
just the, and, and let me explain it, just the number of bankruptcies and, and, um, you know, not non-payment of bills and everything is going to be so astronomical that you won't be able to deal with it in the traditional way. You're not going to be able to say, well, everybody that doesn't pay back their six months of electric bill is getting their electricity turned off or, or we're going to anybody that hasn't paid their mortgage for, you know, while, while the whole country was shut down on COVID is going to lose their house. You just flat out can't do it. You first of all, it would bankrupt the banks just having, you know, millions of houses on their on their spreadsheet. Well, that's that's what happened back in two thousand and eight during the big, uh, you right. know, the big the big housing crash. And they already and they had to bail it out with less money than they've already spent to bail out the people. That's true. There's no way can they. This is this is by this is probably. I mean, the housing market compared to everybody in the country, the housing market is probably what? One, one thousandth of that. That's what I'm saying. You can't, I can't see how they're going to equate the way we handle money today the same way once COVID is put, put down. They just can't do it. You can't, you can't have a hundred million people homeless. You can't have a hundred million people you know, with no power, with no essentials, with no, you will have Mad Max. That's why I'm saying, don't you think that at some point they're going to have to rethink everything? Yeah, rethink how money works and for, you know, forgive astronomical <laughs> amounts of debt. And, you know, in Live Nation's case, I almost wonder if they wouldn't be one of those kind of companies that if they just waited out, the debt will be will be just For, kind of forgiven. Yeah, forgiven, yeah. You know, I would think that probably will be because, you know, they had no say in the shutdown. And as long as they're playing by the government rules, you would think the government would, you know, something that is that that has so many tentacles into so many people's lives and so many people's jobs, you would think that they might be forgiven their debt. You know, the same way the car, the car companies were sort of forgiven their debt. Yep. And I, I could see that happening with mortgage companies and utilities and, you know, all, can't, can't you? Well, they, they, there is going to have to be some kind of a give there because again, we, we can't bankrupt the entire country, Yeah. you know, and, and, uh, you know, if there's an upside to any of this, if there's any kind of an upside the whole world is experiencing this. Right. So, you know, we're not the only, you know, sitting duck in the water. Everybody right. in the whole world is experiencing this. And while the right thing would be to forgive debt, you know what it's going to be. The, the Those in power are never going to forgive debt. Mm -mm. You know, they're never, they're, they're going to find some way to use it to fucking take power from you. Well, of course. Well, forgive your We'll forgive your debt, but you have to do. But 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 but. Well, that but that's that's the whole thing is that th these these uh, um, people who are um, opportunists, mm -hmm. these 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 politicians, you know, that are opportunists, they they relish these moments. Aha! 
I got everybody. I got everybody at my mercy. Now I can just grab up the power that I always believe that I deserve to have. Yeah. Well, look at how many people just just got on their knees and sucked the dick for twelve hundred fucking dollars. Twelve hundred dollars. Twelve hundred dollars. That ain't shit. That's nothing. I mean, I I don't care what what anybody makes here. You know, I'm, I'm gonna think that the the lowest paid guy other than Moogle in our fucking listenership makes in the like 20 to 30 grand range. I think that's fair. Somebody that's it, young and well, you know, with somebody who works a normal job. Yeah. I, I would say that, uh, you know, the median income is probably 30 grand, maybe yeah. 30 grand so, a year. So even at 30 grand a year, while I would imagine tw- a $1,200 hit is nice. I can't imagine that it's, that it saves anything. I cannot even imagine that it pays one month worth of bills. If it even pays one, one mortgage payment, that'd be a surprise. I don't think the $30,000 guy owns a house. Do you? Probably not. Sure. They do. Do they 30,000 a year? Oh yeah, sure. It's 14,000. It just depends on on where they live. I mean, you know, if, if they're only making 30 grand a year, the medium household income is probably that. It says the median household, somebody just posted it, 37000 Yeah, there you go. They probably own not Yeah, and I guess my daughter makes. Oh, look at this. Protesters just murdered a white store owner in Dallas. Nice. Hmm, fantastic. This is Texas, so you know there's going to be retribution down there. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine they're arming up. Look, you haven't put that gun down the whole show. <laughs> You're just keeping it ready. Just, I just uh, it's it's just a it's just a you know. Yeah. Don't accidentally fucking pull the trigger. <laughs> no, nah, I got the safety on. <laughs> All right. Let's see. I don't I don't need to stop end the show early because you shot yourself in the leg. No, I'm not gonna do don't that. You're not a football player for God's sake. True. <laughs> We are in a a world of hurt right now. We we? are. First the COVID, now this. Yep. Well, I'll again say it. Make sure that you're fucking armed with something, even if it's not a gun. If you got an old ball bat or a fucking two by four or something, go out to your garage, put some nails in the end of one side of it. So if somebody comes in your door, you can give them a face full of fucking meat. Right. A meat hook yeah. right in the fucking face. Give him a good wallop. Yeah, give him a nice, give him a nice porcupine tattoo right on their fucking <laughs> face. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a little break, shall we? Why not? Got something you'd like to hear? Let's go with um from the album "The War of God and Men." Let's play Do It Now by Warrior. Okay. With that. All right. With Mark Staracci on vocals. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You said Warrior. Warrior, and the album is The Wars of God and Men. All right. That's apparently what we're having right now. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, there it is. The and- song is Do It Now. Yep, second second tune. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, well, we're going to play a couple tunes. We'll come back. So here it is. This is Warrior 
with Do It Now exclusively here on your classic metal show.